Like that. Hello. Thank you. Hey, it's BT with Tales from the Gemini. I am so excited. I'm, I'm excited every week for this. Honestly, this has really got me through, excuse me, my depression with, uh, with the, you know, everything going on with COVID and everything. This has kind of gotten, it's kind of cool, man. Like, I, I look forward to doing this, even though I'm not getting paid. Actually, I'm paying you to do this. So I should be depressed because I'm, I'm not, I don't have a job, and I got to pay you to do this. But so you're kind of like me. You're kind of like my counselor. You're kind of like my psychiatrist. I'm paying you so I can talk and get it off my chest. Oh my God, ain't a little bit to it, right? Well, if it was a little bit, then don't take my money a little bit. <laughs> but, but this is great, so thank you so much, Wyatt, for seriously, meeting you was a, a godsend, and I'm so excited for this. Hopefully, did you uh, send a link for her to call in? It, oh, is she calling in now? Okay, it's BT from Tales from the Gemini. I am, yeah, obviously it's Tales from the Gemini. I am so excited for my next, I'm excited for all my guests. Um, if I get to a point where I'm not excited for my guests, I guess I shouldn't do this, right? If I get a guest like, okay, I guess they're going to, I mean, I should be excited for everybody, but I'm really excited for this guest as always. And I, I, I always know, I love that girl's t-shirt, kiss baby, kiss all the way, destroyer. Remember kiss destroyer? You remember kiss? You don't, you don't remember kiss. The rock. You've heard, oh my God, you've heard a kiss, but you don't know kiss. Yes, rock and roll. She came back. How cool was that? She came back. I guess she wasn't paying attention. I, I thought I made her mad if she just ignored me, but that's great though. Okay, so she should be calling in, but that's funny. Kiss, it was the greatest rock and roll band ever in the 70s. I mean, just because of uh, the theatrics. I mean, rock and roll, the best rock and roll band, I think, was Led Zeppelin and the Rolling Stones back in the 70s, but... Kiss was, they had everything, man, with the makeup. You don't remember the makeup and the blood and, and uh, the big theatrics? It's, the 70s were big, and, and, and they did everything like that. So Kiss, Kiss was the greatest. We're just waiting for Vanessa to call in right now. Okay, here I go. I'm going to tell her to click the link. Let me see. Uh, click. Maybe her uh, thing is wrong. Maybe her uh, timing. Remember, she has a, a slow clock. Maybe she's like a minute behind. You never know, right? She's on Madrid time, so maybe Madrid's like a, 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 what do you call it? Madrid. I just told her to click it. I told her to click it. Is it supposed to rain today? Oh, there she is, ladies. Oh, there she is. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Come on, come on, come on, come on. This, this is always my favorite part. The very beginning. Oh, there she Oh, there she is. Vanessa. Can you hear me? Can you Hi. Hear me? Hey, how are you? How's it going? How are you? I'm good. Hold on a minute. <laughs> I think I'm connecting both of my computer and my phone. <laughs> I can't wait. This is awesome. Okay, now. Okay. Go for it. For, okay. <laughs> oh, oh, you're telling me to do it on my show. Okay, go for it. And action. Listen, I'm the producer. I'm the director on my show. But before we get started, 
last week when I was uh, interviewing uh, Malena, uh, Malena, I was like, I was feeling so good about myself. I go, the first ever uh, manager, uh, female manager <laughs> in MotoGP. And I was so excited about myself. The interview went great. And I was feeling good. And I swear, <laughs> we finished up and I was feeling good about myself. And I looked at my phone and I got a message. And the message exactly, she goes, and it was from a Vanessa Guerra. And it said, I was actually the first female team manager at Moto2 back in 2010. But that's okay. Still love you. <laughs> and I mean. Exactly. My, my, whole, my whole body went cold. And I go, oh, my God. And then I go, first of all, that's bad, that's bad journalism, first of all. And I, go, I felt like I didn't do my job. <laughs> and then, it, you know, it was you. And I was like, oh, my God. So I, got, I feel like I had to make up to you. I said, you know what? We're going to go on next week. We're going to correct this. And, then I, and I thought, why? not because you know what I was thinking about my just experience in MotoGP and you I can't say you've always been there but for the last like, five six years you have because we met 2016 freezing my ass off in uh Phillip, <laughs> Phillip Island it was Phillip Island Australia freezing yeah I mean I loved it it's one of the greatest it's one of the beautiful tracks ever and I turn and look and there was in no offense a short girl but fashionable, like, like, oh my God, fashionable. Cause you had that. I'm beat. travel sized. I'm travel sized. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How tall are you? How tall are you? How tall are you? Um, I'm 158. So one meter 58 centimeters. So not extremely tall, but it's very convenient for traveling. Well, uh, we're American, which means we're not very smart. So yeah, we don't know what centimeters are. All we know we're like two so meters. That's, that's five foot two. Okay. Oh, you're like Prince size. So you and Prince could have went out. You could have had Prince as a boyfriend. <laughs> How great would that yeah, have been? That would have been. We wouldn't have had very tall babies. Who cares? <laughs> they would have been gorgeous. You and Prince having babies. They were the most talented babies <laughs> on the history of the earth. They could have sung. They would. They would learn ten languages. They could have played instruments and yeah. rode motorcycles. What? <laughs> You could have had Prince. Oh, my God. And instead, you're doing a podcast yeah. with me right now. So, hey, sometimes life doesn't <laughs> Hey, I'm super happy. And by the way, congratulations for the podcast. First of Amazing all, thank job you. you're doing. No, thank you so much. And, and I mean, it's from the bottom. And you know what I like about you is you almost adopt my philosophy on life in that sometimes you have a plan, but sometimes life just takes its, its, you know, you have to go with what life gives you because you started out, and it, here's what I love about your life. You were born in Switzerland to Spanish parents, okay? And you went, yep. to, school, went to school in Paris and here in Boston, in Boston. How did you end up in Boston, by the way? How did you end up going to school in Boston? So, um, okay, so I'll tell you the story. So back in the day when I was in high school uh, in Madrid, I was going to an American high school and I had an American boyfriend. Oh. So we were still together by the time we made, you know, I applied for college and basically I had been accepted at Northeastern University so in downtown Boston. And um, yeah, so about a month before I was heading to college, we broke up. Are you, what did he do? Because I know it was his fault because you're perfect. What did he do? <laughs> um, he was a year older than me. So he had been, you know, already back in university for a year. And I just think he met someone else. Uh, he, how can he meet somebody better? You know what? You give me a name. Long distance. When we end this, you give me a name and give me a number. I will find him. And I will, and I know some Patriots. I mean, New England Patriots. And we will break his, we, he will never be heard from again. Who, who would break <laughs> up with you? Seriously. Any, but then were your heart broken? Were your heart broken? Were your heart broken? At the time. Um, 
you know what because we were doing long distance for a while i think it just sort of you know fizzled out yeah. so i was yes i was heartbroken but it didn't hurt as much as it would have had we been you know in the same side of the atlantic ocean so. there you go okay so now what now what did you think of the united states because i always i love to ask people who aren't from here when they come here like what did you think of and like would you ever consider living here so I was there for one year and then I transferred back to Europe to finish my, my business degree. And I have to say, there's one thing I didn't really enjoy is the snowstorms during the winter. <laughs> uh, luckily, Boston has the tunnels underground. So basically in, you know, in our campus, we could go from one building to another underground. There were tunnels and then you'll have like food carts halfway through between tunnel, you know, in the tunnel. So <laughs> it was great. something. The thing is for me, right, if there's snow, I need to be able to ski. I'm Swiss born. So, you know, having snow and not being able to enjoy it wasn't my thing. But other than that, I have to say, I love Boston, but, you know, Paris was calling, so. Oh, look, you went to Paris from Boston. You know what that's like? <laughs> that's like going from a Ford Focus to a Ferrari. That's what it's like. <laughs> Seriously. An, an, old, hey. an old Ford Focus to nope. a Ferrari. You went, no, you went from Boston nope. to Paris. Come on now. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've been to Boston. Don't Ford Focus. <laughs> no, listen, Ford Focuses are great. I mean, they get good gas mileage. They're really, and I mean, they're cheap to yeah. rent. I've had one. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm just saying, if, I, if, if the price is right, and I'm at Avis, and I got a chance to rent a Ferrari over Ford Focus, yeah. I'm going with the Ferrari, and that's all I'm saying. I'm sure there's nothing wrong. I've been to the Boston airport. I'm in the Dunkin' Donuts, good coffee. But if I got a chance to go to Paris, we, 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 we. I mean, yes. Come on. Exactly. So, okay. So, and now, now let's get to the point. Now you're, you're majoring in business and minor in global communications. You're going to, what, yep. what, what's the plan? What's at this point, what's the plan in your life? So at that point, the plan was to stay in Paris after I was done with my degree and do an internship and in the marketing department at Chanel and stay within the luxury good industry. But life sort of throw, threw me a curveball and I went in another direction, as you know. <laughs> and, and for people who don't know, which I don't know why they wouldn't know about you, is that your brother raced motorcycles. And, and as the story yes. goes, I think they were in a Donington Park in England. And he goes, hey, come down and watch me race. I'm about to, to, show the, yeah. I'm about to show these mates what's up. And they got there and they were like, hey, listen, we're all Spanish. I don't know what these guys are saying. They're saying something about shepherd's pie. Help us out. <laughs> and you said, okay, I ain't doing nothing. I might as well. Let me help you out. I speak five languages. I don't want to brag, but that's what I do. And so all of a sudden they go, hey, you want a job? You ain't doing nothing anyway. And you go, yeah, I'm broke. And next thing you know, a, a career is born. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you. Know. <laughs> that's that's you a, know that. Yes. That, in a nutshell. <laughs> in a nutshell, that's how it is. You needed a job, and your brother nepotism, and that's how, and that's what happened. You got the job, right? I got the job because uh, the team needed someone to help out. You know, organizing the trips and managing the team. But basically, you know, in terms of accounting. In terms of bookkeeping, in terms of, you know, all the traveling arrangements, hotels, or, you know, flights, uh, car rentals, all of that that no one wants to deal with, you know, they're like, oh, she speaks languages, you know, we're, he was in the European championship back then, and he's like, she can deal with any language in Europe, except right. for, you know, Czech Republic, so, or German. <laughs> But she's like the, the rest of Europe, she can handle it. So yeah. So they said, why don't you join the team? And I was like, 
sure, I don't know anything about racing. And uh, 12 years later, I'm still here. <laughs> okay, so now you say you don't know anything about racing, but your brother raced. I mean, were you guys close? I mean, he just go, hey, I'm going racing. And you were like, okay, I'm going to go uh, smell some perfume because I think I want to work for Chanel someday. Well, so. th this is the thing. There's a four and a half year gap between me and him. So by the time he started racing, I was in uni. So I was in, in Boston for a year and then I was in Paris for four. So while he was beginning his racing career, because he started off quite late, okay. um, I was already, you know, studying in uni. So by the time I got back, I'm like, ooh, okay, racing. Uh -huh. Well, this is new. <laughs> okay, okay. So now, were you, were you ever like, like, I, I know you had a motorcycle growing up, but were you ever like at all, in, at all, like interested in racing? Were you kind of like, it's like, ah, it's on TV. Okay, and you go about, uh, go about your way. Um... I wouldn't stop and watch. Back then, I would watch the Formula One races, but I wouldn't really watch the MotoGP ones. Oh. So that was quite the conversion. Um, so you crossed and over. Since I, started work <laughs> I did. And since I started working in MotoGP, I never watched a Formula One race again. Okay, well, well let's go back then. So you work with your brother, and they, went, they end up, uh, they went from Spanish championships to Moto2. And that's when you became the first ever female manager yes. in moto which congratulations and i think it's and it's thank a you and it's just and it's a testament to how you are as a person because i mean from the first moment i saw you or, or got to know you i could tell you pretty much had your things together you're pretty much a you know like everything was it, it's weird it's hard to say but it's like every, i could tell you had your things together and you were very organized <laughs> kind of person so when you got that like hey do you want to be a team manager I mean, was, was that like, oh, my God, how can I do this? Or was it like, okay, I can do this? Or did, was it overwhelming? And were you like, oh, I don't know if I can do this? So by the time I got to be a team manager, I basically got two racing seasons under my belt because we were back in the Superbikes paddock uh, okay. doing the European Stock 600 Championship with my brother. Mm -hmm. And then on my third season, uh, we started, you know, in the first season of the Moto2 class. And that's when I became a full-on team manager. But... So by the time I was there, I knew about racing. I knew pretty much, I had spent a lot of time in the pit box with mechanics, you know, and engineers. And I had, you know, made a point to, you know, ask as many questions as I could. And I've even fallen asleep in a pit box uh, while putting all the stickers at the beginning of the season on the pit wall. On the, pit wall on, the, on the pit box panels. We ended up, it was like 1.30 a.m. And we were finishing up just, you know, putting on the stickers on the pit box panels uh, for sponsors and all. So, and on the bikes, because uh, I've put the stickers on the bikes too. You've done it all. Um, You've done it all. Yes, pretty much from, from painting the inside of the fairings because they would be white. And so they would look a little better in photos, you know, when, when they're leaning and the white doesn't show and you see just, you know, look black. at you, look, look that so. attention to detail. <laughs> That's why you're where you are. That's attention to detail. I mean, that, I mean, honestly, who thinks that we, oh, okay. When the bike's leaned over, they're going to be able to see that. And this is going to look so yeah. that, that red is going to pop. That's, that's bad. But you know, it adds a little bit of weight, but it not significant, not as significant that, you know, it might make a, a difference on the lap times, but, um, but yeah, but you know, from those tiny details to the bookkeeping, to, you know, the lifespan of spare parts, you know, to be able to make a prediction of what we need for the flyaways, like all of that, I already knew, you know, before I got into, you know, my Moto2 team manager. So, yeah, I mean, and, I was slightly intimidated the first time I went to team manager's of meeting. Course. 
Yeah. Um, because they looked at me. I walked into the room, you know, for the meeting, and they're like, "Excuse me, are you lost?" <laughs> and I'm like, "No." I'm like, "I'm like, is this is this the team manager's meeting room?" And they're like, "Yeah." I'm like, "No." Then I'm not lost. Then I sat oh, down and no one ever said anything else to I me. I <laughs> love that. You walked in like you were 6'2 instead of 5'. Yeah, just a, yeah, yeah, that's who, yeah I'm, I'm where I'm supposed to be. What? What? That's how you do it. You, you, you know, what you, like Julia Roberts said it best. You got to, uh, 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 until you uh, uh, be the man, you get, I mean, you, you got to act the part first, basically. Before mm -hmm. you, you, you got to act the part first and until you get the part and you acted the part first and that's what you got to do. And you laid it down. Yeah. That's how you got to do it. Hey, the buck stops yeah. here. I'm that <laughs> team manager. You got a problem with me? There's the door. What? There's the door. What? I know I'm 5'2". <laughs> I'll put this 5'2 shoe up your ass. Good for you, baby. I mean that. That's awesome. Okay. So now, did it, now how was that relationship-wise with your brother? Because, like, did it make you guys closer? Did it, uh, I mean, and, because there's a time when it, there's, there's family, but there's also business. When there's a time you look at the bike and go, you know what? You can do better. I think you need to do better. Cool. This is the thing, Every, any team, uh, sorry, any family member, when they have someone who's racing or in the racing industry, there's a point in which you need to make a decision in your life, you know, um, either you're scared for your, you know, for that person that's racing in your family, and you become a dead weight. It's like trying to move forward with the e-brake on, or on the other hand, you decide to, you know, you know, accept the risk that comes with the sport and, you know, just push them to, you know, to be better and be a force to drive them forward. So that's the one decision you need to make. And that's the one I made very early on because he enjoyed it. He loved the sport. The passion was there. And I was like, okay, at the beginning, the first year, I was a bit scared, you know, of crashes. And, you know, and when there's so many riders, you know, all together, yeah, it is a bit scary. So, yes. But I will tell you something. The first Moto2 race in Qatar in, in 2010, yes. there was 42 bikes on the, on the starting grid. And he started 42. 39th. He was, he, was, he was 39th, right? He started 39th, right? And it was, yeah. And it was scary because I was thinking that first right-hander, you know, you know yes. at the end of the, of the start, you know, the start-finish straight. I was like, oh, my God, if something happens. Yeah. And I, the thing is, you know, Lights went out, the race, you know, got underway and I had, and I was hanging on the pit wall to, to wait and see everyone through that first right-hander. And, yeah. you know, then I was like, <sighs> I could breathe again. Yeah. But I think that's the only time I was a bit scared for him. Okay. So now <laughs> when, when did you start say falling in love with the sport? Because like you basically, you kind of like, you know, fell into it. Like, okay, I'll help you guys out. Yeah. And now it's like, you said, like you said, 12 years later, you're still doing it. So when did you, like, when did the love, like, I really love what I'm doing. Like, I really love this sport. I love what I'm doing. I don't need anything else. I mean, I've met, <laughs> I've met BT. I'm talking to him now. So what more in life could I ask for? <laughs> when, did, when did the love come I from mean, the sport? <laughs> I've, I've, I've spoken to you. I've met you. I've peaked in life. That's it. Man, um, if that's the case, I feel bad for you. <laughs> no. Come so, on. No, but so, when, when did the love happen? Yeah, when did like you start falling in love with it? So when we were in the Superbikes paddock, I think that's when I fell in love with it because we would watch every single race from every single class. So mm -hmm. from SOC 600 to SOC 1000 to Supersport to Superbikes. 
Right. And, you know, I would watch Super Bowl, race one, race two. I would watch everything with the team. And just, you know, the more you learn about the sport and the more you follow, you know, a race weekend, you just get into it. But the thing about this sport, PT, and I think you, you, you will agree with me, there is no half measure with this. It's either you love it or you're indifferent to it. There is no middle ground, you know, I and that's what happens. I can't understand that there's uh, people being indifferent. I, I, I honestly, I can't, and this is me and maybe my ignorance, but I can't see somebody being indifferent because from the moment I saw it, when I moved here in Indianapolis and, and I saw it on TV, I was like, oh my God. And I've always loved motorcycle racing anyway. And growing up the way we did, it would come on very sparingly. So I would watch like, oh my God, you know, I loved it. And I remember having my 50, I had a little 50. And I remember it, it was a dirt bike, but, <laughs> but I, when I got on the street, I would, try to, I would try to get a knee on the street. I remember that because I'm watching it. And then, you know, through the course of just life, whatever, um, I, you know, I got away from it, but I always, you know, would peek in, see what's going on. So when I moved back to Indy and the, and the race came to Indy, and I mean, from the, if you go to a Ray and MotoGP race and you see it live, I can't understand indifferent because man, after that, it was like, to me, it was like seeing that woman pass you by and go, oh my God, love it first sight. You go, that's the one I want. And, and after that, nobody can compare. And I've been that way ever since. Every year, the addiction has grown stronger. Like, this is my crack. I'm like Bobby Brown. This is my crack. Every year, the addiction grows stronger. And, and I mean it from the bottom yeah. of my heart. You, you've seen yeah. me on... You see me on the grid. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm like a kid. You're going, is this a grown man? I, I just, you know, and I love what I love about you, honestly. I remember, like, what I remember is, like, you'll be interviewing somebody, right, interviewing, and you'll see me, and, like, for a quick second, you, you'll see me in the background, and I see your, yeah. I can, in a split second, you go, oh, God, and you, and you, and you got to <laughs> and you keep your interview going like okay he's here okay and you'll just keep your interview going and that's the greatest thing because you you know how much i of a always go in for the hug i always go in for the hug no 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 listen i i listen i know how annoying i am but i but but like i said this is my sport and i love it so i know how i am so and i just love but i just love how you have to be professional because i you know i'm there for shits and giggles you know i save my money up i'm going to watch this race and you're there for work and you're interviewing yeah these racers and whatever and i and yep. but but it's a split second but it said oh god he's here and you turn back right here and you go okay i'm sure he's gonna talk to me later on today or whatever <laughs> i'm sure i can't get away from him but anyway so jack tell me what's it like being in ducati you know what i mean and it's the greatest thing <laughs> it's the greatest thing in the world i think from the moment from the very first moment that we became friends in Phillip mm -hmm. island i remember we, we talked and if you were really cool and then that night I was, I, I was like, I was looking for a place to eat and I went to that Italian restaurant and you were there. And I remember you were talking to some guy, whatever, at uh, the table, maybe at the bar or whatever. <laughs> and I saw you turn around. I was like, oh my God, there's that girl. And I wanted to talk to you, but I, I, thought, I, I thought it was business where I didn't know you like that. And I, didn't, I know you didn't know me like that. I was like, oh, I don't want to yeah. know. And ever since then, that's when the friendship happened. And it was so beautiful. Because I remember being yeah. in Madrid. I was in Madrid, which I love, yeah. by the way. I was in Madrid at, at the airport. <laughs> remember, I was going to Jerez. And I turned mm -hmm. and they go, you know, uh, group one. And I looked over and there you were. I was like, that's that girl again, Vanessa. And we, and we sat together. <laughs> we landed in, in Jerez. I rented a Fiat yeah. 500. because, and, and honestly, that was one of my goals in life was to rent. I, I set my goals very low. <laughs> I set my goal to get a Fiat 500. And I rented that. Yeah. And I let, and I let you drive it. Remember that? You drove yes. my Fiat 500. <laughs> and we had so much fun I drove fun your that rental. Day. 
But yes. do you remember that you and I have road tripped from Madrid to Valencia for the GP? I, I was going to get that. I was going to get to that. Because I remember I oh, was, I, okay. I remember, <laughs> when I travel, I, I have no plan at all. I really don't. I mean, I, I go, okay, I don't want to go to Valencia, but it's cheaper to land in Madrid. I'll just land in Madrid. Oh, I didn't know it was that far from Valencia. How I get there? I don't know. And I think I hit you up. You go, okay, listen. You were like, okay, listen, here's the deal. I'm, I'm going to drive, uh, but I, I'm going to leave at six in the morning. I will beat your hotel at six in the morning you better be ready I said okay I remember yeah, I got, I got yeah, to I'll be yeah. at 558 and I saw <laughs> and I saw you making it you turn the car and go man she was not bullshitting and so I was ready and we got in the car <laughs> and we had the best road trip you stopped you got me breakfast you paid for like a croissant I remember that yeah. and, we and a coffee and the coffee and the coffee you paid I know I was like man this girl making money because you paid for both of them and then we went and then we went to Valencia and then we went to the track and mm -hmm. then we went we went shopping because I had to wait for you because I remember we went we had lunch <laughs> And then you go, I think, I think you had me hold your purse. You go, hold on, I'm, go, I'm gonna go see if they have this one thing. I said, okay. And that's the only time in my life I ever felt like I was a married man. So I was waiting, I was going, where the hell is she? And I was waiting, I go, where is she? And I was like, man, if we had kids right now, I'd be so mad. And you went, you went and you came back, I think it was like 10 minutes later, I was like, I wanna be like, where were you? You know, and then we got in the car. And then it felt so bad, cause you dropped me off at my rental car at the, at the, at the, uh, at Valencia airport. At the airport. And I was like, oh, man, because I was really enjoying We had so much fun hanging out. Yeah, I mean, we you were yeah, always we so much fun. I remember, and I also remember, there's things about you I always remember that was that, a Jerez, and I remember in Austin uh, for the uh, the after party, and I just remember just walking down the sidewalk, and you had that yeah. red dress. That dress looked so beautiful <laughs> on you. That No, seriously, you had that red dress, and I was like, Thanks. oh, my God. And it, I think you had a shawl with it, and I was like, you just look, yes, I did. You look stunning. I mean, absolutely stunning in that dress. And I remember I was going, making me blush. No, it, that was just the truth. I mean, and I never was like, a, I never was like, hey, Vanessa. But I was like, oh my god, you look beautiful. You did. I was like, oh my god. You, I mean, it was a, it was a stunning kind of like, like I was dressed like a, you know, like like I always am, like you know, you know, kind of kind of grungy, kind of dirty jeans or whatever. And and I tell you, I felt like I felt like I was homeless, and you had like three bucks. And I was like, hey, can I borrow a dollar? <laughs> you look so beautiful. Like I, like I shouldn't even be talking to you. And that's all I remember from you. And we've always been so cool with each other. That's what I've always loved. Always <laughs> yeah. been so cool. And you live the kind of life I want to live because you start, like I said, you <laughs> fell into it. You fell into this job, which yeah. was great. And then, and then you became a pit reporter. Your brother quit racing, but you stayed in the But GP. before that, before oh, that, I was before, a press officer for Repsol Honda. I was going to get to, yeah, th that to me. <laughs> okay, now being behind the scenes and writing the press releases, what the writers say. Okay, yeah. tell us, do you tell those writers well, because you you were a press officer for Danny Pedrosa and Mark Marquez, and I, was that yes, Marquez's uh, rookie year? Was it his rookie year? No, it was his second year. It was the year he won ten races in a row. Okay, yeah, that year, he, yeah, we just tore, tore the track up, yeah. Okay. And that's the year we got the triple crown. So we won the constructors championship, the teams, mm -hmm. and the riders. Okay, so tell us, do you guys tell those riders what to say? I mean, because those MotoGP guys, if you've ever been to a uh, press conference, anybody seen a press conference? <laughs> I mean, their, their responses are always really PC, very, I mean, no offense, very kind of bland, but kind of middle of the road and kind of like, okay, ho-hum. Like, do you guys tell them what to do or is that coming from them? How does it work? No, so we don't tell them exactly what to say. Like, for example, when before we head to a GP, especially when you work in a factory team, you need to basically monetize a bit 
on all international media, whether it's French, English, Italian, or Spanish, you know, to see what's being said about the team mm -hmm. or the factory riders. And according to what's happening, you know, you know, there's any sort of controversial things being said, you sort of uh, highlight that to the team manager or team principal back in the day and sort of let him know that that's the case. So he'll be prepared for, you know, the media day on Thursday of the GP weekend. But not, and then the team manager will let the riders know if there's anything that needs to be addressed or not. But then that's between them and then they would let us know. And then during the race weekend, when we get the quotes from the riders, you know, at the end of the day, you know, to let us know how the day went, how the sessions went, qualifying or race, um, they basically say what they have to say. And once the press release is written, the team manager basically proofreads it. Uh, when he, once he approves it, then we send it. If the team manager decides that the court is not quite PG, then we sort of review it, get the writer to um, <laughs> get the. <laughs> like then that. we get the writer to basically okay the you know whatever modifications we've made, and then the press release is sent. Okay, so now what? Uh, yeah. part of that job what what surprised you part of that job uh, working behind the scenes being a press officer like working with the riders that close like like because uh, you, you you kind of saw how the pizza was made you know what i mean like like from the outside yeah. like oh that pizza looks great but now you're inside the pizza yeah. place you're watching them put the pepperoni or the margarita you know you're watching it being made so how was it different so when you're in the inside and you see how hard it is to get to where they're you know the teams are and everything that go that has to happen in order for a season to run smoothly or to get you know the top results there is a lot that goes into it there's a lot of people involved that you don't see that there are behind the scenes or behind the you know the pit box panels and there's a lot going on a lot of research and development that you guys don't see and um a lot of effort a lot of sacrifice and you know it's it's tougher than people would think uh, i have to say that Teams and writers make it look easy, you know, from the outside. But when you're inside, you can tell, you know, all the sacrifices they, they have to make, you know, all the work that goes into it. No, no. What kind of sacrifice are you talking about? I mean, without any names, without, without naming names. The no, no. The, 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 working, the working hours, like, and uh, like, for example, if a writer crashes on Saturday, you know, after qualifying or on, on Friday, they might stay up until 1 or 2 a.m., you know, or yeah. up till 3 a.m., you know. Re, you know rebuilding the bike and then they'll have to be back at the track at seven you know that's kind of that kind of working hours because yeah. there is no nine to five you know like an uh, in an office it's completely different and right. then you're away from your family yeah. and then you don't go out you don't drink you you know you keep a very healthy diet you you racing is a you know um lifestyle choice it's the way of life it's not something that you just sort of dabble in and that right. goes for riders, mechanics, engineers, anyone that is involved in the paddock knows that this is a lifestyle choice. Right, right. And everyone makes sacrifices. But, okay, but is, uh, uh, in the long run, do you think it's worth it? Yes. And do you think the riders think it's worth it? Yes, because everything that, everyone that works in racing has something in common, is that we have a shared passion for the sport. So yeah. that's what makes it worth it. Yeah. And it's a work, it's a job that you, you know, wake up looking forward to doing. You look forward to, you know, waking up at 4 a.m. and going to the airport and flying halfway across the world for it because you love what you do. Yes. And, it, and it's a blessing, okay? And we're extremely lucky that we can get to do this because not everyone wakes up 
looking forward to you know going to the office and performing their job yes you know but, but bills need to get paid regardless yes. of whether you like it or not exactly so, I, I, mean, so, yeah, I, that, I understand that i mean i, I that that and that's what i love about what you guys there's a passion for and it's like my passion is going to the races and watching even though i love my job and i and i tell people all the time i love my job but man moto gp and watching it and going to a race weekend <laughs> is this i mean there's nothing i love doing like you said i don't know if in a ref you knew in a ref that i had a hotel that was an hour over an hour away like i don't really look at a map and yeah. it was over an hour away and so i had to wake up at 4 30 in the morning on race day and i got to the mm -hmm. track at 6 30 and i was gonna and i was gonna go to sleep in the parking lot in my car and right and i literally right when i i set the the front seat back as soon as i sit on the speakers in her red on the speakers they start blasting we will rock you know i go okay i'm up now and and <laughs> But you know what? I didn't get mad because, I mean, every time you see me at MotoGP weekend, I'm the happiest I've ever been in my life. That and that, so I can imagine working in that kind of passion. So when you're working around the riders, okay, let's say with yeah. Mark, you and Mark, you can tell, you and Mark have a great rapport and everything yeah. you guys do, there's a great kind of, I love watching you guys because there's a great laughing and there's great. Now, what was it like working with Danny? Because everybody knows Danny's a little more reserved, at least at least to the media. What was Danny like behind closed door? If you can say that, if you can, if you can feel so free. Danny, Danny is a great guy because Danny and I are closer in age, so we had a very good, you know, really working relationship. And he's someone that you know he it takes him a little bit to trust you. You know, yeah. he needs to get to know you a little bit and then to trust you. But he's someone that he's he had he did something once for me that was amazing. Is that during when I was in Repsol Honda in two thousand and fourteen my grandfather passed away from my mom's side and i didn't want to tell anyone i didn't want the writers to know i you know we were in italy i couldn't fly back you know because they told me like one day later anyway so basically i didn't want to tell anyone but danny found out and the the following day so my ritual when i got to the track when i was at repsol honda is i would go to my truck drop off my backpack go into the pit box Say hello to everyone, first to Mark or Danny's side and then the other one, you know, I would switch sides. So I went that day into Mark's side of the pit box, say hello to everyone, then I went to Danny's and then Danny was there with his crew chief and they were just chatting away. And he was there sitting on his chair and, you know, I said hello to everyone and then all of a sudden he stands up, comes, you know, towards me, gives me a hug and he says, I'm so sorry. And I was like, ooh, and I'm like, oh, thanks. I was like, how do you know? He's like, that doesn't matter. And I'm like, oh. Thank you. But that was not it. At the end of the day, of the work day, um, I went back to see him because we modified his, his, um, his quote from, you know, the end of the day. And so I went to check with him if it was okay. And he, we checked it together. He's like, that's okay. And then he went, how was your day? How are you doing? And I was like, I was surprised, you know, that someone, you know, he, you know, he's a MotoGP writer. He has enough on his plate and he's worrying about how I've, you know, how my day has been given that I just lost a family member. And that's sort of like- That's beautiful. It was heartwarming for me, you know? It was like, yeah. oh, wow. wow. You know, and it, he was the only one who did that. And there were several people in the team that knew. And, you know, from the, the you know, the one that, the person that I expected it the least, like he was the one who sort of like checked on me. And wow. that was very heartwarming. That goes a long way. I mean, it really does. I mean, that, that, just, that gives me goosebumps. I mean, seriously, because, yeah, yeah you do. I mean, there's, there's always working relationships. But when somebody does that, man, I mean, I just got tears in my eyes uh, from, from seriously, just from you saying it.
Um, but you know, you know what? We we used to work a lot with the Make a Wish Foundation, um, and we don't usually you know advertise that back in the day. And I remember this one time, this this child who was you know very very ill. Uh, he came into the pit box, and um, Danny was playing with him. He got the kid. He put him on the bike. He explained everything to him, and he told me no one is allowed to take photos or videos except for this child's parents. And I'm like, okay. So I made sure that no one would disturb them and that no one would be taking photos of, of them, just the family. And then he had like prepared like this um, merchandising package, you know, as a gift for the kid. And it was just heartwarming to see him, you know, rolling on the floor with the kid and just next to the bike and them just sort of like laughing and talking and and he just made that kid, you know, so happy. And he didn't want to advertise that. And for That's me, that was beautiful. something that really showed, you know, the kind of person he is. That's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it really, no, it really does, though. It, I mean, because yeah. no offense to some athletes and, you know, not naming names, whatever. But, you know, they have the camera there. And that's fine. It's fine. It's fine. But, yeah, when they do it like that. God, that's beautiful. You know what I mean? And, and, he's, yeah. not a, and he's not really a, a in the public kind of guy. So man, no. I, I love stories like that. I really do. Yeah. Okay, so let's go. You you after you get out of where, where <laughs> Han, after, after you, you become a pit lane reporter, and then you get that. Yep. You know, did you get that? Were you working with French television when you did that? We, I was working with French television the year after I worked for Honda, so in two thousand and fifteen. And Alexi Masbu kind of helped you with that, didn't he? Didn't he like he to, did. Yeah, he you know, did. he, he, he never calls me for stuff like that. You know, I hit him <laughs> up on his Instagram all the time when he won the race in Qatar. I was like, way to but, go, Alexi. And he never even hit me up for that job. And Alexi, but can, can you speak French fluently? Can we, you speak it fluently? We, we, we. Are you sure about that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you got to be that way. You got to call me out of my own show. There's no reason to call me out of my own show. You know, I'm trying. Hey, when I landed and when I landed at uh, Charles de Gaulle this year, yeah. I did very well. I, I, I went where I had to go without even asking directions. And I knew yeah. and I spoke a little. Yeah. And I was good. So there. How about that? See, I'm good. Yeah. Like I mean, yeah. So your yeah. French is good enough to get around and to eat. <laughs> so you're good. <laughs> I can say croissant and that's all I need to be said. <laughs> okay. So listen, with, with that kind of background, when you became a pit lane reporter, did you mm -hmm. think the writers respected you because you knew kind of like what they were feeling when you asked them and you knew when to go in? Like, okay, let's just say like, uh, uh, I know you had to go like say when somebody crashed had to go in and ask them what happened. Do you give them a second? And, and yes. you know, the, and you know, the writers like, and you know, him pretty yeah. well. So, you know, okay, this guy is going to be different from this guy, his temperament. It's like, let's just say if Jack, uh, remember Jack Miller and uh, Bautista got into it in Hareth and they crashed together. Did you, I, I don't, well, I don't know if you're playing reporter then, but would you like take a second and be like, okay, I'm going to wait about 10 minutes and then I'll ask Jack what happened. Because I mean, Jack's a little different than the other, you know what I mean? Like you have to go with so writers personalities. This is the thing. When you have worked in a team, you know when to leave them some, you know, some room to breathe and right. to sort of gather themselves and then let them speak. Because there are some people, and I'm not going to name names, some journalists that just want to go in to get, you know, the reaction. Right. And I guess I am a bit protective sometimes. I've been accused of, of being overprotective with writers. And I think that happens with me because of my brother, because right. he was a writer. And I have that sort of respect, not only respect, it's sort of like that empathy with them. And, and that's why I'll be like, you know, I, I want to protect them, let them breathe for a second, and then, you know, just go in and ask. And I'll ask first, do you mind ask, if I ask you a question? I never do it, you know, you know, 
Just barge I won't in. just spring it on them, you know. No. What happened? And you do that, and they go. No, no, no. They wouldn't do that. No. Yeah, but 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 no. you do. But you do know their a pretty. But you know their personality. There's one writer. Yeah. And we will not name names. We are not gonna name names. <laughs> but there's one writer. I think you just had a regular a regular sit down interview with him, and you got pissy, and that's how I know he's not a good person because you don't get mad. And remember, I I think you know who I'm talking about. And we were like, yeah, really? Yeah, he did yeah. that to you? Like, do you even want to be here? And he was like, yeah, whatever. And I was like, okay, that sounds about like him. It, I mean, I felt bad for his team and even his press officer was uh, like saying he was sorry. He said he was sorry like a thousand times because he was, you know, embarrassed by his writer's behavior. I, you know, we can understand that, you know, they could have a bad day. We all have bad days and we can Everybody. understand that. But at the end of the day, you know, you're there to do a job. I'm there to do a job. You know, let's just, you know, make it, you know, work. And right. I can be patient to a certain extent. But what I don't appreciate is the diva behavior. Yeah, that's what I have an issue with. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Well, since you since you were behind <laughs> the scenes and everything, uh, tell us yeah. uh, if you can, if you can, uh, uh, what, what's Mark like mm -hmm. behind the scenes? Behind the scenes, what's Mark like that, that people don't see? That He's, people don't see. <laughs> Mark is exactly the same as you see him in front of the camera, and he loves to dance and he loves a laugh, and he is like a boy's boy, like very much a boy's boy. You know what? That's exactly how I feel. I here's and I thought before now, me, I'm smart enough to know I get these guys when they're like in Moto Three. I know that sounds bad. It sounds like I'm a, a pedophile, but I, I like those guys when they're like in, in Moto Three when they're coming up. You know, and I figure if you be at least you didn't say rookie scout. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know, I, I like the, I like the, I like the the, the two brothers. But anyway, so I get them in, in Moto Three, whatever, when they're coming up, and I be and, he, and I, I believe if you befriend a kid, then and like, you know, you follow them, whatever, they're kind of more apt mm -hmm. to be like, hey, he's been with me from the get-go. So I was that way with Bradley Smith, and now me and him are tight. And so with Mark, I remember Mark, <laughs> I remember Mark from the Moto, Moto 125, but I met him in Moto 2. I scared the shit out of him in Magello. He was in his pit, and I went and hugged him, <laughs> and he was like, who the hell is it? You gotta see the picture. He's like this. Like this, me and him are hugging, and I'm like, Mark, Mark, you know, and I'm hugging him like this. So anyway, we became friends. So you know, he went up to you know the big time audience, and I thought, okay, he kind of forgot about me. So we were in Germany at the at the, at the Sasha ring, and I'm just and I accidentally yeah. and I walked accidentally walked into the Alpine Stars thing when they were having a private event. I go, oh, and I closed the door, and I was just sitting there waiting like this. I was sitting like this. And he walks out and he hits me on the butt and kind of let me know, hey, I still know who you are. And he left. And, I, and we didn't, didn't say a word, <laughs> but it was the greatest ever just to let me know, hey, man, I still know. You know, I got, and, and that's what I love about those guys. And I, that's what I love about him is that he still kind of knows, yeah. you know, he remembered me from that day. So that's what I like about that, man. I mean, I, I think once you become, like I said, start when they're young. And as they grow up, they never forget. It's like an elephant when you put that little thing down, you know, to keep them from moving. When they get big, they can move, but they, but the, mentally, they still think they're stuck there. You know what I mean? And that's what yep. I do. I'm the elephant, and I. Yeah. Put them down. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so listen. Now you've got the dream mm -hmm. job. Now that what you're doing now, you, you've always no, you've always been on point, always. But now your new your new gig at Red Bull at Red Bull TV. Yeah where you're in the inside pass or just inside pass on YouTube, you're with the riders and what you're doing is incredible. You've done everything and it's because it's fun. <laughs> you see the riders away from the track or 
of the track, but they're doing fun stuff. They're doing stuff like, yes. like uh, uh, I saw you, you did the, uh, the helicopter, you did the, the three, no, the, uh, the, the Turkish eight or whatever, uh, in the helicopter. Yeah. And then you rode, uh, you rode the, the four wheelers. And then you did, um, you rode in the back with Randy Mamola. You do the fun. And yes. I, I think the, the most fun, the most, the funniest episode ever when you had the airbag on the, the, the VCO. So, <laughs> oh my God, that is literally, that's literally gut. That, that's the, to me, that is you. And that's the best part about GP. I don't know how they, they should do it, but that should be at every trip. Everybody should watch that. Watch Inside Pass with Vanessa Guerrero. And that is the <laughs> best part about GP because you see the writers and what they do in interviews, but that's them being who they are. And I mean, it is incredible what you do. And you're the producer of that, right? I'm the creative producer on the show, yes. <laughs> okay, and, and who, who comes up with all those crazy things? Who comes up with that? Well, the, the airbag was my idea. I've been wanting to do that for years with the writer. And I, I, I thought like traditional TV, you know, wouldn't allow me to do that because it's live TV and you're on pit lane. And, you know, you're not going to deploy an airbag, you know, just yeah. for fun on live TV. Yeah, um, but, you know, I, I was like, I, in a joking way, I was like, why don't we just, you know, do this airbag challenge? We do like a tech, tech talk piece about the airbag system. Right. And then we just sort of deploy it with a rider. And they're like, okay, if you can make it happen. So I went off. I spoke to Al Alpine Stars. They said yes. Then I went and spoke to Dovey's manager. He said yes. And we made it happen. <laughs> I thought that was a great, because Dovey's almost in a way kind of like, kind of like Danny in a way. He's kind of like, he didn't really like the, uh, you know, the media. He's more like a straight lace kind of dude. He didn't, he didn't like social media. Mm -hmm. And to watch him just get that. I mean, to watch people who, who, don't, who don't really laugh, laugh, laugh. I mean, you could tell he had a great time with that. And you bought that out of him. And that's what you do. You bring those little nuggets out of people, man, which is great. Yeah. Seriously. You, I, you could interview probably our president and you probably get him to laugh. That's how great you are. Seriously, man. I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> but and do I don't that. think we could find a suit big enough to deploy an airbag with him in it. Oh, oh look at you. That's a Just say it. No, I love it. I don't care. I think it's great. No, good for you. <laughs> that is awesome. But I, this new gig of yours, that inside inside pass is just awesome when i get when i watch it i, I laugh and i love watching. what was your favorite episode your for your personal favorite what was your favorite so as a whole i think the J J japanese gp was amazing uh, just because we show tokyo and then we go to the track and we did a, a really fun challenge with the riders in which i would ask true or false questions and if they got it right they would get a local kind of japanese sweet and if they got it wrong they got a really spicy chip like i remember that chip. yes yes oh my god it i it was the funniest thing and then um in terms of my personal experience just being on you know on the back of that ducati two-seater with randy mamola was probably my favorite memory of 2019 absolute yes. best memory yes. i mean yes. that's that was good, i mean man. come on he did he did say i was a good backpack and he was actually <laughs> going faster with me in places that he would usually just go on fourth gear just because it was me and i was like oh god <laughs> isn't that scary though but i it loved is. it okay now which when it, of all the like event is there been one thing you did where you're like oh this is kind of this is kind of scary maybe not like you're a little apprehensive because I've seen so you when i did the heli the helicopter is something that i was i was really like looking forward to it and then the morning of the day right i'm like <laughs> yeah. so i call up my dad i was in austria i was in salzburg so i call up my dad and i'm like hi dad and he's like what's up because i normally don't call him when i'm shooting and he's like um what's going on and i'm like uh i need i'm gonna get in a 
in a helicopter like later today and we're gonna do aerobatics and he's like what so I don't want to tell my family you know ahead of time because they're gonna get scared and I was like you know I'm, I'm starting to feel a bit nervous and he's like just don't eat anything liquid just eat solids and I'm like okay he's like call me as soon as you get off that helicopter I'm like okay dad and that was the only time that I was a bit like oh god but then honestly uh Mirko one of the flying bulls from Red Bull he yeah. is a star and he just made me feel so at ease that I would do it again and if I can I'm hoping I'll get on the alpha jets at some point oh, in the will. future you will you <laughs> will you will that's awesome man <laughs> I, I know I was, I was asking you did all that cool stuff you guys got the vehicle mm -hmm. stuck in the sand you wrote you wrote camels you've done everything so yeah. I was, I, there had to be I was thinking there had to be one where you're like I don't know about this I mean, so I was, it was interesting that was the one. I would think it'd be the animals <laughs> in Australia. I, 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 I don't deal with wild animals. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, no I, never, love, I love the animals. Well, no, nah, not me. Anything other than a dog, um, I'm, I'm scared. <laughs> I mean, so it's got to be a nice dog. I mean, I have a pet bull, and me and him get, get, get along every now and then, but I, I don't really deal with the, like, animal, animal, animals. You know what I mean? Because they're animal, animal, animals. You know, they're caged up. Mm -hmm. they're, like, they're basically like prisoners. Uh, like, you know, they think they're going to get out, but they don't. So they're not really hardened, but they're still prisoners. And that's, yeah. why, I, that's why I look at animals. You know what I mean? Like you pet, you pet any kind of animal. Like, ooh, you feel those back muscles and, he, you know, he can rip your heart out at any time. That's how I feel about animals. You know, we think they're <laughs> nice animals, but what, what if a koala has a bad day? He can rip your eyes out. You know, they, or, or a sloth. Sloth has got that, those, those, those big fingernails, you know, those big long nails. Yeah, but you just need to let them be, you know, and, and you sort of like pick up on their vibe and you know let them be they give you that vibe or you know you go for you know the petting kind of like a girlfriend when you piss her off like hey sweetie and, and kind of <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> well listen before you're before, terrible but no 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 i'm not even good. <laughs> so before, before we get out of here i'm gonna ask you a couple questions what's your favorite track your favorite moto gp track i know all of them are great in, in a certain way but if you had to pick your favorite moto gp track so I have to, in Europe, it'll be absolutely would be Mugello. And yes. if I ever get the chance to do again the Ducati two-seater, I would love to be able to do it in Mugello oh. because the change in elevation, you know, oh. and just to feel that on the bike because I did it in Silverstone, but Silverstone is flat. And I yes. really enjoyed it because we could get up to 300 kilometers per hour on a two-seater. But right. I didn't feel the change of elevation. And that's something that I would really love. And just the layout is amazing, you know, being in the Tuscan hills and, feeling the fans so close, you know, to, to the paddock. It's, it's really special. And then outside of Europe, it would have to be either Austin or Phillip Island. Those are my two, like, that's my top three. Oh, nice, nice. I mean, you kind of cheated. I said one, but you gave me three. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, okay. You, know, you do the rules here. Okay, just take over. Okay. Um, <laughs> I know all of them are pretty cool, but what's the, the nicest MotoGP rider? I mean, I like the guy who's just, I mean, they're all nice. They're all good guys. But if you had to Nice or funny? Nice, nice. We'll go nice first and then funny second. Nice, 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 nice. Okay, nice. I would have to say Paul Espargaro. I love that guy. I call him the handsome bastard. If, if, if you watch every, <laughs> I watch on his Instagram. I'll I'll call him the handsome bastard. That's my nickname for him. Because <laughs> when, when we were in Aston, uh, like some fan came and kissed him on the cheek, and I go, "You never kissed me like that." And he kissed me on the cheek, <laughs> and everything. I call him. Uh, he's he's the nicest guy. You call him the, the handsome yeah, bastard. He's on it. He might be a handsome bastard, but he's a really nice guy. And yeah. he's easy to work with. Always, you know, whatever you need, he's there. And he'll make himself available. And honestly, it's really great to work with him. Okay, the funniest. The funniest. Jack Miller. 
Yeah, Mel, I like Miller. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know what's funny is that it, it, it kind of switching gears here for a second. I remember uh, it was last year at Coda. And I had, and I asked Jack Miller a question. I've never been so nervous in my whole life because Miller, man, for some reason, Miller really intimidates me. I, and I never thought he liked me anyway. Really? Yeah. So I was like, oof, oof. and I asked him a question. And he answered it. And that night at the after party, he goes, hey, come in, Mike. Good question. You asked me. And he gave me a hug and he went on about his way. And, I was like, <laughs> and it was, it, it was my first. And, you know, I write, I write for Sport Bikes, for Sport Bikes Inc. magazine. And so he never pays mm -hmm. me, but he just, he gives me uh, passes to, to do the, uh, the press conference. He, he's never paid me but anyway so and I remember <laughs> I was nervous and I sat next to you and you being the professional you are you basically you kind of metaphorically held my hand I go what do I do I'm nervous you go just ask the question and you were like just do it and so I think I asked Rossi a question you were like and you looked at me like it's okay you can do it and I asked him and it's funny because <laughs> I've done I mean I mean I met some famous people I mean I've, I've had my time in Hollywood I mean I'm not gonna brag but and I was like hey, it's cool mm -hmm. but nothing intimidates me more nothing Nothing intimidates me more. I mean, I've looked my mom dead in the eye with a whooping in the balance, and I've lied to my mom straight in the face, and that didn't scare me. Like, sitting at a MotoGP press conference and watching those guys come in and ask them a question. I'm like, oh, oh, oh. and I remember asking Rossi a question. He, <laughs> and he was prickly. I remember he was prickly that one year for some reason. That was when Zarco cut yeah. him off, and he was mad. <laughs> and I, I, yeah, and I asked him a question, and he kind of, like, snapped. I was like, okay, okay. And, I, and after that, I've gotten better and better, but, man, it's always you. You walk me through it, and I always remember you for that because you sat next to me and you were like that hand. Yeah. Goes, it's gonna be okay, BP, and you walk me through it. And I remember that. So you've always been the best. You know who I was very starstruck with? It was my first weekend on, on French TV. I had to interview Giacomo Agostini, and I was like, oh dear, on headlights. I was like, oh my god, he's a legend. You know, yeah. I've never seen him race, obviously, but. For me, he's like an absolute legend. So I was like, oh God, I'm gonna interview him. Oh my God, what am I gonna ask him? Oh my God, where to begin? And um, yeah, I was starstruck with Giacomo Agostini. That was, I, I won't get starstruck with Valentino, but I will get starstruck with Giacomo Agostini. Go figure. He is the, no, but he's the goat goat. I mean, we talked about that with Valentino and that's probably much, you know, from the, uh, this generation, but I mean, he, yeah. he literally is the goat, but he, but was he really yeah. cool? Was he as cool as you think he is? Oh my God, he, because I was working for French TV, I asked him, I was like, he, I was like, can I interview you? And he's like, yeah, which language? And I'm like, what do you mean? Do you speak French? He's like, yes, of course. And I'm like, okay. And so I said, well, I'm gonna, and I would speak to him in Italian because I speak Italian. So I was like, oh, I would like to ask you about this. And he's like, can you do it in French? So I asked him, you know, I gave him the question beforehand so he could prepare his answer in French. So I didn't want to catch him off guard or make him look, you know, bad. So we had this dynamic, and then the second and third time I went there, you know, he knew me, and he was like, give, tell me the question. So I would give it to him again beforehand, and then we had that dynamic, you know, already, you know, in place. So it was really cool. But the first time I was like, oh, dear God. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, I was going to ask you, was there, yeah. I, that was my next question, is there anybody who you've been starstruck <laughs> with? That, I mean, honestly, I don't know how you do yeah. it. You literally walk. I mean, it's like, it's like, it's like that, the, the, the definition of faith. You know, you got to walk in the dark up a staircase, hoping that next step is there. And that's basically what you do. You just kind of like, you don't know where it's going. This career is going. Yeah. Walking and hoping that that's all you've interviewed. Agostino, you, Valentino, Mar Marcus. You've been literally in the paddock around three of the all-time goats 
And I think that is, yeah. I mean, what you're doing. And, and here's what you do. I know we got to wrap it up, man. I know we got to wrap But what I think is awesome about you is, and, and, and I went over this with Milena, is that you don't realize that you're a role model to women growing up. I mean, to young girls growing up who want to get into motorcycle race. Because you headed the, the FIM, the, uh, the Women in Motorcycling press conference in, in Finland last year. And, yes. and, and you guys don't realize, I mean, and it's because you're in it, you're in it and you're working, you don't realize it. But so many people look up to you and Melena about what you guys have done. I mean, you're in a male dominated sport and you make it look so effortless. And so I, and I just want to thank you for that because everybody needs that role model, <laughs> you know? I mean, you're a role model, not just for women, which I think is great. I think young girls need that. I think women in sport, I think it helps women become more, I don't know, discipline and focus, whatever. But, but they need that. And what you do, you're everything, you know, you're, like I said, you're approachable, you're smart without being, you know, overbearing about it. You know what I mean? Without, you know, <laughs> flaunting in your face, like, yeah, I got four <laughs> languages. How about you, BT? You need to be that way. You know, I mean, you're smart, you're funny, you know, and you know what you're talking about. And, and, and it's almost like you said, when you walked in, like, when you walked into that, uh, that meeting, you know, like, Hey, are you lost? No. Is this for a team manager? Yeah. I'm in the right place. Oh, you know, and I think that is great that you're a role model. No, I think it's great that you're a role model for women in motorcycling. And I just want to thank you for that. And I know real quick, like, Thanks. and I think it's a, one of the funniest stories ever. And I, I, I'm sorry I didn't get to it in, in the beginning. I want to talk to you about that was when you were interviewing. You had to go through seven interviews for the, um, for the, uh, to get the rep, the, the Repsol Honda media job, or whatever, with the riders, you know, under media. Yes. And so when they're asking you a question, they ask, please, you take it from here. When they ask you if you rode and say, do you ride motorcycles? You take it from there. Like, oh, really? my God. Yes. So basically, it was Honda's home Grand Prix was Motegi. And I had two previous meetings. And that was my third and final meeting before getting the job. And basically, I got called by the press, op the press officer back then. Uh, he's like, oh, meet me in the hospitality. And I'm like, Okay, so I was walking to the hospitality in the paddock, and then so he sort of like grabs me. He's like, "Oh no, no, we're going into the office," and I'm like, "Okay, so I'll follow him." Bear in mind, at that time, I was wearing the team uniform, you know, from another team, and I was walking into the Repsol Honda office. So that just that alone, you know, makes people talk, and it made me a bit nervous. So yeah, yeah. I walk into that office, and there's like all of the board of Japanese big bosses from Honda in that office. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay, never mind. And then they asked me, he's like, you know, they asked a few questions, like, what bike do you, have you ever ridden bike? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, and they're like, oh, which one? And I just went, like, my eyes just went down. I was looking at my feet and I said, a Yamaha. <laughs> and they started laughing so hard. And I was like, oh, dear God, I'm not getting the job. But I did get the job. I think that is great. <laughs> I mean, that wow, oh, that's beautiful. That's a great story. <laughs> I love that. It's kind of like a picture. and I was and I was so sick too. I had the flu. Oh my god, it was. I honestly like I was like I'm not getting the job. I'm sick, and I said Yamaha in front of all of the Honda board. I was like, oh, good for you. That's awesome. <laughs> I mean, I love that story. I was like, I got to get to this story. That was my favorite one of all of them. I read that and I literally laughed out loud. I howled at that story. That's great. <laughs> and that's typical you. Okay, so and as we wrap it up, what's next for you now? I mean, you've done it. You've pretty much done it all. So in motorsport, like, what's next for you? I mean, I'm not going to get into your personal life, whatever, but like, <laughs> where, do you, where, where do you see yourself going next five years where, where's Vanessa going to be is it going to be supermodeling or what's oh god no as you know I'm travel size so not really fit for modeling <laughs> but but 
you know, I have other talents and um, you know what, I'm more and more interested in producing and, um, you know, the great thing about my career is that every single season has been different and I've been able to grow. And that is honestly, some, I've been really lucky in terms of that. Um, I'm very open to whatever comes my way right now in terms of possibilities. I've learned to be, you know, remain flexible and adapt flexible. to whatever opportunities, you know, come my way. Um, I'm not going to set, you know, one, you know, specific goal and then go for it because then you allow, you know, frustration to, to set in if right. you don't achieve it. Right. But I would love to produce, I would love to do more um, in terms of being able to do documentaries or to, you know, just be more involved in production, not only creatively, creatively, but also, you know, maybe even in the future in editing or, but I love the creative side of, of you know, filming and videos and sharing, you know, and just being able to share this passion for motorsports with people and just bringing the sport closer to people is what really drives me right now. Yes. And yeah, that's what I want to keep doing, but just, you know, developing that in, you know, any direction that comes my way. I have no doubt you're going to be successful because you <laughs> always are. And, and, and if you ever want to like be a personal manager for an upcoming African-American committee in, in America, yeah. well, hey, I'm here. I think you, you, you've got my IG. Okay. You got my IG direct, you know, hit me up, say, hey, T, I want to manage you. I go, yes. I go, yes. We'll I, do. I go, we. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? Thank you so much. I was so You're very welcome. You're the only person, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, that I literally, I, it was Monday night, Monday night, and I woke up about six in the morning, and I had a dream that I was interviewing you, and I was like, man, I got to get this right. I woke up like, okay, okay, that, that, that wasn't a good question. And that was, that was a dream I had, and it, I really prepped for this, man, because <laughs> I really wanted to get it right, because, I mean, you know what you're doing. I'm like, oh, boy, I can't come in half-stepping on this one. So thank you, thank you so much for this. I mean it from the bottom of my heart. You're a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful person, a great role model for the, for the not just for women, but for everybody in motorsports and just in life, period. Thank you so much. Watch Vanessa Garra on thanks for having me no oh, no you're awesome thank you so much hopefully hopefully I'll see you this year and if not definitely next year at a MotoGP race hopefully I'll see you in the paddock soon fingers hopefully crossed soon. yes and you have a great night thank you so much hopefully in Madrid you can take me around again and we'll have a sounds good, good. <laughs> thank you so much this is BT Tales from the Gemini podcast and uh, like we always say around this time hey.